The Seal Book. Once again, the keeper of the book has opened the ponderous door to the secret vault, wherein is kept a great sealed book, in which is recorded all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. Here are tales of every kind, tales of murder, of madness, of dark deeds strange and terrible beyond all belief. Keeper of the book, I would know what tale we tell this time. Open the great book and let us read. Slowly, the great book opens. One by one, the keeper of the book turns the pages and stops. Ah, the strange story of a man who committed the perfect murder, only to discover that every murder must be paid for. A tale titled, Death Laughs Last. as it is written in the pages of the sealed book. Our story begins in the office of Dr. Robert Smith. There is a worried look on the doctor's face as he speaks to Edward Harrison. Sit down, won't you, Mr. Harrison? All right, thanks. Now, what is it, Doc? I can see by your face you want to tell me something about Mary, don't you? Mr. Harrison, your wife is dangerously ill. Does, does that mean she's, she's going to die? I must be frank with you. It does. Unless... Unless what, Doctor? Tell me. If there's a chance in the world, she's got to have it, see? Her only hope is a brain operation. A very difficult and delicate operation. Without it, well, I could only give her six months, a year at most. No. No, it mustn't be. She's got to have the operation, you hear? I must tell you, Mr. Harrison, that only one man in this country has the necessary skill for the operation your wife needs. He is Dr. Howard Richards. I don't care who he is. Get him. I was going to say, naturally, he's in great demand. His average fee for an operation is about $1,500. $1,500? Of course, if you can't afford that, he might consider the circumstances. No, I can't afford it. I can afford anything Mary needs. Then I'll get in touch with him at once. Yes, yes, sure. You make the arrangements right away. I'll get a hold of the money. 
I'll get it to you by tomorrow, sure. Mr. Danvers, I'm Ed Harrison. Oh, yes, Mr. Harrison. Please sit down. Thanks. They told me you have to pass on all the real estate loans here at the bank. Have you looked over my application yet? I have it here. I see that you want to borrow $1,500 from us. That's right, and it's urgent. I've got to have the money right away. Mm. Unfortunately, the security you offer, your home... What's wrong with it? It's a swell little house, good section, all in good repair. That's true, but you already have a first and second mortgage on it, totaling $4,000, and... Well, I'm afraid we can't make any further loans on it. But I've got to have the money, Mr. Danvers. I've just got to. I'm sorry to hear that, because there's nothing we can do to help you. Nothing we can do. You say you're not employed, Mr. Harrison? No, I own a shop. I'm a locksmith. Mm, That means you're never certain of your income. If you had a job now, a regular income you could depend on... What are you getting at? You mean you're not going to let me have the money? I certainly wish I could, but under the circumstances, uh, I'm sorry, very sorry, but there's nothing I can do to... uh... I'm afraid the collateral you suggest isn't satisfactory, Mr. Harrison. We'd lend you the money if we could, but we just can't. Sorry. 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 Edward, you aren't eating, and you're so quiet. Is anything wrong? What? Oh, no, no, of course not. You're worrying about me, aren't you? Well, no, Mary, I... Just think about making some changes at the shop and... Darling, please, you don't have to lie to me. I know that that I'm not well, but I'm going to get better. Really, I am. I promise it. Of course you are. Dr. Smith said so. You're going to be well in no time. Of course I am, dear. No, I've I got to go out. I, I have an appointment over the other side of the city with Horace Latimer. We grew up together. He wants to see me about something, something important. <laughs> Edward had no appointment with Horace Latimer, but he went to see Horace anyway, for he and Horace had been boyhood friends. Then their paths had separated. Horace had grown wealthy. But in his desperation, Edward Harrison hoped that Horace would remember the past and would lend him the money he'd been trying to raise all day. Horace could spare it easily, but would he? Fifteen hundred? Well, that's uh, rather a lot of money, Ed. I know it is, Horace, but it's for Mary. For an operation. I've got to have it. Hmm. Well, why don't you try the bank? You have a house, a business? I tried the bank and all the personal loan companies in town. They all turned me down. Said the security wasn't good enough. I see. Well, that's too bad. Now, you can bet I'd lend it to you, Ed, if I had it. Well, that's the trouble. I I haven't any ready cash. Nor the income tax, you know, and... A couple of shaky investments that I had to bolster up lately. All right, Horace. Never mind explaining. I get the idea. You're not going to lend me the money. Well, really, Ed, I would if I could, but I can't. I'm sorry. Save your I... sorrow for somebody else. I don't need your money, you hear? 
I'll get it someplace else. Yes, I'll get it somehow. After he had slammed out of Horace Latimer's expensive home, Edward stood for a moment on the dark street corner, staring back with bitterness in his face. Sorry. Yeah, you're sorry. In a pig's eye, you're sorry. Oh, what a sap I was to think you were a pal of mine. Yeah, what's that, buddy? Huh? Uh, was you speaking to me? Oh, I... oh, no, sorry. I I guess I was thinking out loud. <laughs> That's okay. We all do it sometimes. Hey, you got a match? Match? Well, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Okay, um, just hold it like that. Make a move and I plug you. Gun, why, well, you're, you're... Yeah, this is a stick-up. Hand over your dough and make it fast, see? My dough? <laughs> That's a hot one. I'm out trying to raise money myself. Now we're both out of luck. I've only got a dollar on me. Take it if you want it. Anyway, it's more than I could raise. And don't try to kid me. Anybody who lives in this ritzy suburb has dough on him. Yeah, stand still while I see what you got in your pockets. Hmm. A wallet and a leather case of some kind. You'll find just one dollar in that wallet. And I don't live in this neighborhood. I came here to try to borrow some money from a friend. A buck. One measly buck. Eh, what a lousy break. But I bet you got a roll hidden in this leather case. It's heavy enough. You lose your bet. There's nothing in there but my emergency kit. Yeah? Well, I'll just see for myself. Hey. Hey, this kit's full of skeleton keys and picklocks and stuff. When are you, anyway? A second-story waker? I'm a locksmith and safe repairman, if it's anything to you. Oh. Were you on the level just now when you said you was trying to raise dough? What's it to you? Yeah, you'd be surprised, pal. Okay, I'm putting the gun away, but you ain't leaving yet. Me and you, we're gonna talk business. Because I got a plan that'll get us both all the dough we need. A deal on my proposition? I... Oh, I don't know, Mike. Sure you do. There's nothing to it. You can open locks and safes. I know where there's a house with plenty of dough in it. But, burglary? I've never stolen anything in my life. Now, listen, you said you needed dough bad, didn't you? And so do I, plenty bad. But... All you gotta do is get the back door open and then the safe. In half an hour, you'll have your 1500 and more. How else are you ever going to get it? Answer me that. Uh, I don't know. You, you sure the money's there, Mike? Positive. I was casing the joint and looked in the window in time to see the old geezer put a whole roll of bills in a safe that's no stronger than a bread box. Hey, you can open it with your teeth. Got to get the money somehow. All right. I'll do it. <laughs>
And now to continue the story, Death Laughs Last, as it is written in the sealed book. A few minutes later, Edward Harrison and Mike arrived at the large mansion and quietly made their way toward the back door. Okay, this is it. Everybody's hit the hay long ago. It'll be a cinch. The lock looks easy. But I shouldn't be doing this. There must be some other way to get the money. Ah, don't be a sucker all your life. You're going to take what you want in this world. If you don't, you never get it. Well... Come on, get that door open. we got to get inside before we're spotted. All right. Let me take a second. I think... Yeah. There. It's unlocked. Okay, get inside. The safe's in the library down this way. Don't make any noise. Sure, there's only two of them in the house. Yeah, the old guy and his butler. Probably both of them deaf as posts. Here's the library. Come on, the safe's behind the picture on the wall. This picture? Yeah, that's it. I'll lift it down. There you are. That safe is just a kid's toy. Go ahead, get it open. It won't be that easy. I'll have it open inside a half an hour. Nobody's calling any cops tonight, chum. Help, police! Help! Oh. Yeah, maybe that'll convince you. You hit him. Yeah, what'd you expect me to do, shake his hand? You killed him. That's murder. Yeah, and you're in just as deep as me. Don't forget that. Yeah, I'm an accessory to murder. Cut the guff and let's get out of here. Or do you want to get caught? No, no, of course not. Well, then let's get going. Douse that light. I don't hear nothing. Come on, we'll get out the way we come in. But suppose... Suppose we are caught. Murder. They'll hang us. Hey, we ain't gonna get caught. We haven't left a clue, not even a fingerprint. Stand still, both of you. I have a gun and I have you covered. The butler. If you move, I'll shoot. I can see you perfectly. Standing on the stairs, he's got a gun. We're caught. We're caught. Not yet. We ain't not by an old scarecrow with a rusty horse pistol. Uh, put up your hands. I'm going to call the police. You've done something to the master. I heard him call. Okay, okay. We'll put up our hands like this. Mike, you shot him. Come on. we got to get out of here in a hurry. Them shots will bring the cops, but fast. Mm-hmm. 
Why did you make me come here? Why can't I go home? You hide me. Come on in. Uh, That's better. Now, take off your hat and stay a while. Why did you make me come here to your room? Two reasons. The first is I want to make sure you know what it'll mean if you let anything slip. It'll mean a rope around your neck. Get me? Yeah, I know. You don't have to tell me. I won't let anything slip. If I thought you might, I'd slit your gullet right now. I won't. I... I have to live. For my wife's sake. Okay. And the second reason you're here is so you and me can have a little talk. Talk? What kind of a talk? Well, chum, I like the way you got that door and that safe open tonight. You and me got a future together. What? As soon as the heat's off, we're going to do another little job together. No. I won't do it. I won't. Sure you will. I won't do it. You can't make me. Oh, yes, I can. If you don't, I can always send a little note to the cops, telling them it's you they want for them killings tonight. You wouldn't. They'd get you, too. I'd be a long ways away by then. But you can't get away. You've got a business here and a sick wife. You couldn't leave them. Well, you're going to do what I say? You... Devil. You, you... Don't say it. You don't think you can just dip into crime and then back out again without getting your hands dirty, do you? You don't think you can pull a job and then go on as if nothing had happened? You're mixed up in murder, and somebody's always got to pay for murder, one way or another. I only did it for Mary's sake. It don't matter why you did it. You're in it now, and you can't get out. Not without paying in some way. I... I've got a good mind to go to the police, to confess, to get it off my chest. No, no, you don't. You see this gun? I'd plug you in a second if I thought... No, you don't. Get away from me. Let go of my hand. Let go. You got me into this. You're, you're not going to make me go any further with it. I'll take that gun away from you and I'll... You fool. Let go or I'll plug you out. <laughs> Mike. Mike. He's dead. I killed him. In a daze of horror, Edward Harrison found his hat and made his way to the street. His mind in a whirl, he stumbled into a tiny bar a few blocks away. Struggling to control his shaking hands and to keep his voice normal, he ordered a double whiskey and gulped it down. Then, as his senses cleared a little, he heard the radio at the end of the bar broadcasting a warning to the city. Attention all residents of the city. Attention all residents. The police department is asking you to be on the lookout for the following man, wanted for a brutal double murder committed in the Buxton Park section less than an hour ago. Please make a note of the following description. No, no. The man was... Hey, buddy, what's the idea? Why'd you shut the radio off for? Because... Because I was sick of listening to it, that's why. Oh, is that so? Well, I'm not, see? And I got an idea maybe there was some other reason you didn't want to hear it. So I'm going to turn it back on, see? No, no, you mustn't. Well, I'm going to. If you try to make a break for it, I got a gun right here under the bar, see? So now let's hear what that dirty killer looked like. I repeat, be on the lookout for a man of medium height, lean and wiry, with reddish-brown hair, wanted for the double murder in Buxton Park earlier this evening. If you see such a man, report at once to headquarters. We now turn you back to our regular night hall program of popular dance tunes. Uh, lean and wiry with reddish-brown hair, eh? Well, that ain't you. You're heavy-set and black-haired. <laughs> yeah, for a minute there, you had me going. 
I was positive you was the killer, the way you didn't want me to hear the description. <laughs> yeah, just jumpy, huh? Yeah, well, here, have another drink on the house. Thanks, but I, I got to get home. I, I need some sleep. Yeah, that's what I need. Some sleep. And now to continue the story, Death Laughs Last, as it is written in the sealed book. As Edward Harrison left the bar and hurried home, he was aghast at how close he'd come to giving himself away. It was Mike the police were looking for, not Edward Harrison. It was Mike whose description they had. Edward Harrison was safe. Safe. Hardly able to believe in his own good luck. Edward reached his home and let himself in. Mary was asleep. Quietly, he got into bed and at long last fell asleep. When he awoke, it was morning. And Mary was already preparing breakfast. Good morning, darling. What time did you get home anyway? I waited up for you until almost two. I I was pretty late. I stopped at the shop and did a little work. I forgot to watch the time, I guess. Oh, and this morning you look terrible. I know, you're you're worrying about me. Oh, but you mustn't, darling. I'm going to be all right, really, I am. Of course you are. I'm going to see to that. What do you think? Dr. Smith called up last night. He wanted to talk to you. He said he had some good news for you. Good news? Yes, but he wouldn't tell me what it was. I don't know why. He asked for you to stop in at his office this morning. I think I know what it is. Yeah, sure. I'll go right over and see him. But, darling, you're going to eat breakfast first, aren't you? I'll eat when I get back. I want to see the doctor first. Anyway, I'm not very hungry. Well, all right, Edward. But please, hurry back. I want to know, too, what the doctor said. Yeah, sure, Mary. I'll be right back. But everything's okay now. Everything's okay. After he left the house, Edward bought a morning paper. Big headlines told of the murders the night before, but... 
He scarcely saw them. His eyes hurried through the story until he found what he was looking for. The news that Mike's body had been found. The butler Mike had shot had given the police Mike's description and then died before he could tell them there was anyone with Mike. So the police had listed Mike's death as a suicide or as an accident and closed the case. Edward Harrison was safe. Perfectly safe. Safe. I'm safe. I've got the money. Mary's going to be all right, and the cops aren't looking for me. Mike was wrong. Sometimes you can get away with murder and not have to pay anything, if you're lucky. And I've been lucky. I've been lucky. Good morning, Doctor. Mary said you'd phone and had some good news. Oh, uh, yes, Mr. Harrison. I, I called you last night after I got in touch with Dr. Richards. I wanted to tell you that... Um, he had agreed to operate on your wife. Oh, that's swell, Doctor. I got the money right here in my pocket. The money, uh, yes, uh, yes. I was also going to tell you that uh, Dr. Richards had said not to worry about it. Uh, you could take as long as you wanted to pay but it. As long as I wanted? Then, then it wasn't necessary. I didn't have to do it. I, I didn't have to do it. Well, I, I'm afraid I, I don't understand. I... Uh, never mind, Doc. I mean... I've got the money. I, I want to pay it. He's got to take it right away. Well, what's the matter? What are you looking at me like that for? The operation is going to save Mary's life, isn't it? You said it would. You can't go back on your word. You can't, do you hear? It's not that, Mr. Harrison. Yes, the operation would save your wife's life. But unfortunately, Dr. Richards was the only man in this country able to perform it. Well, so what? He said he'd do it, didn't he? And I've raised the dough to pay it. So what's the hedge? Mr. Harrison, Dr. Richards can't perform the operation now. But you said that... Yes, I know. But he was tragically murdered last night by a burglar who broke into his home in Buxton Park. <laughs> And so ends the tale. Death laughs last, as it is written in the sealed book. In an effort to save his wife's life, Edward Harrison had helped kill the one man who might have saved her. Twisted indeed are the strands of fate in which destiny entangles mere mortals. And now, keeper of the book, 
Before you close the great volume, show us the tale we tell next time. This one. Ah, yes. The tale of a man who was murdered by his wife and her brother and the strange way he rose from a watery grave to accuse them of his death. The tale is titled, You Only Die Once. Be sure to be with us again next time when the sound of the great gong heralds another strange and exciting tale from The Sealed Book. The Sealed Book, produced and directed by Jock McGregor, is written by Bob Arthur and David Cogan.